As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Welcome back. Or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and occasionally sportsman drag racing. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Jed is at home in Alabama. I am at home in Southern Illinois. Jed, it is May 1 as we record. Welcome to the month of May. I appreciate that, bud. Uh, good to be here. Good to to be joining you on uh, TV Promotions Race Week. I'm hoping I'm able to join you in Bowling Green as well. I'm facing a few little challenges, but we're trying. But, uh, you know, it's going to be an exciting week. A lot happening in the racing scene and that these big money bracket races now are popping up, Luke. So starting to feel right now here on the Sportsman uh, Drag Racing Podcast. Yeah, I think it's – I mean, I know we've got Spring Fling Million in Las Vegas, but for the – for our side of the country, it feels like racing is now in an, it started in earnest. Like it, there's big dollar yeah. races everywhere. Most of the local tracks are racing. It, it, it feels like it's on. I couldn't agree more. It's, you know, this is kind of the, what we're built for this May to November season. So it's uh, starting to come around getting our wheelhouse. To your point, it is, we are on the eve of the TB Promotions 100K at the fabled Beach Bend Raceway Park. We had visions, we had designs at one point, Jed, of, of hosting a live show from Bowling Green. Yeah. Schedules, nah, not real sure we're both going to be there, not real sure how it's all going to shake down. A little worried about the, the internet in Bowling Green being a little too similar to the internet in Noble, Oklahoma. Got to up that game, that mobile internet game. We're going to work on that. We're, we're going to have some fun live shows in the future. But to those of you joining us live on the Sportsman Drag Racing Facebook page, 
today. It's a different day of the week. We had to record on Monday night. It's the best way we could get our schedules in sync. So thanks to those of you uh, playing along live here, interacting with the show. We should be back to our regularly scheduled programming next week. Stay tuned. We'll drop that date and time for you. And if you're listening via traditional means, if you will, uh, via the audio feed on the, uh, the audio on the podcast feed, obviously, welcome back to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast to you as well. Big week, Big Jit. Um, most definitely a huge week, Luke. Uh, I mean, we we just come off of a huge week with the spring fling a lot and now transitioning into the TB promotions, 100K with a couple of 50Ks around it and a 25K warm-up. I mean, the money, the big money bracket racing scene is upon us, my friend. NHRA racing happening left and right, you know, uh, we're going to talk about uh, the the top performer in one of the categories right now. I'm, I'm looking forward to the to your call. It could be over. Uh, so you know this is this is where we like to live right here. This is our time. Big money brackets, NHRA points chases. It's great stuff happening right now. It was over a week ago, Big Jay. <laughs> it's just been further solidified. We will get to that. We will get to Four Wide Charlotte. We will get to Spring Fling a lot. But first, I think it's fair to look ahead. I am as fired up for this weekend as I have been for any race this season, maybe any race in a few years. TB Promotions 100K comes to Bowling Green. Um, my favorite facility, one of the fabled facilities, it's going to be the richest event in the, the history of that storied facility. Uh, it's close to home for me. It's a place that's near and dear to my heart. Now, as we as we come into these big events, Big Jed, we like to to play a prediction game. Some of the some of the airs let out of our balloon on this one in particular, because this is a cat field and it sold out within two hours. So I'm going to go out on a limb. And say that in the 50 granders, Jed, there'll be 457 entries because I know they sold out 425 top bulb entries and 32 bottom bulb entries. I think it's going to come in right at 457. And then they're doing that $100,000 race, which is 128 car field. It's been sold out for months. I'm going to guess there's 128 in that. What do you think? <laughs> well, I think those are very, very solid guesses. I do feel like um, there's... I know they allow some extra space for sponsors and those mm. types of people. So I do feel like they're going over that 457 number. I think they're going to have 463 in the fifties, but uh, you know, who's counting. That's a, that's a solid number. Good for them. And yeah, there's going to be 128, that hundred K uh, there'd be 158 if they had let them in. So that there's going to be people standing at the door waiting to get in that thing last minute, but it's going to stay full at 128. So Good numbers, Luke. Real good predictions. And, um, you know, weather looks really good up there. So I think all in all, it's going to be a fantastic week in Bowling Green for TV promotions. Worth noting, I think, Big Jed, that $100,000 to win main event, 128 car field. Uh, initially, that was a 64 car field and it sold out so quickly. They thought, I, I wonder if I wonder if we could double this. It did. It filled to 128 without issue. Now, the winner's purse didn't change. It's going to be $100,000 to win regardless. And it's a 100% payback race. It's it's the best deal of the weekend without question. What they did is increase the round money significantly, or the I shouldn't say round money, the payback from runner-up on significantly. This race, Jed, $100,000 to win, 50 grand to runner-up, 25 grand to semi, 10 grand a quarter. I think it's 
possible, if not likely, that the the way that this purse is distributed on the flyer makes it, I'll say possible, if not likely, that we just go flyer in, in this event as it gets down close. What are you what are the odds that this ends up being no split to the final or all the way to the end? Yeah, Luke, uh, you know, I couldn't imagine a consensus where everybody that is remaining in the, obviously this thing is going to fall where there's no buy run. So no one gets control. Um, but I couldn't imagine that you fall to the last 16, eight, or maybe even four with that kind of purse available for your loss where everybody in the field agrees to cut it. There has got to be at least one. I think a no split final is a very likely possibility. The only way that I believe that gets impacted is if it just so happens to get to the semis and it's very close friends, you know, maybe some people that, that have a great relationship with one another, you know, a couple of the Williams brothers versus some friends, you know, that type of scenario probably would lead to some kind of cut, but Overall, I think it's probably a better chance that it goes unsplit. I think there's a distinct possibility. I could see, I could certainly see a scenario where the final gets cut a little bit, right? If, if there, I, I could see a scenario where there's still 150 in the final, but they get those numbers closer together. And I don't think it's unthinkable to say the round of 16, which would be fourth round. I think it's two grand to lose there. It's 10 grand to quarterfinal. I could see them taking, what would that be, $24,000 out of the winner's purse and distributing it to those racers at 16. But I could see that not happening too, right? So the, the bottom line is that the purse now with the, the doubled field is so enormous and, and distributed in a way that races typically get split that I don't think there's a lot of incentive to split it up, which makes it, I think, more exciting to watch. And for those that that advance to the final 16, eight, four cars, I think it makes it a little bit more exciting to be in. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I really believe that uh, this thing is going to have a ton of attention already just from it being a $100,000 shootout. And Luke, I, you know, we, we're going to pick our winners here shortly. And as I looked over that entry list, holy cow, this thing is so loaded with unbelievable talent. It's impossible to pick the winner. We're going to attempt it. But literally every name I looked at, I felt like could win the race. So it's it's going to be a bloodbath, but it's what big money racing is all about. It's a bloodbath, whether it's 10,000 or whether it's 100,000. These things are very difficult to win. And I am so looking forward to hearing the packages laid down and the runs and seeing literally legends paired with one another run after run this thing has a ton of excitement around it for good reason yeah and I, it may it may be somewhat unique to me Jed. like i get very sentimental about beach bend just and i know in this day and age like even the the original 10 tuck format doesn't really even move the needle as a as a big dollar race but 20 years ago when I started Big Dollar Racing, like that was part of my introduction to this stuff was Pentuck at Bowling Green. And it was, you know, at that time, it was a similar crowd to what you might see at today's million dollar races. You know, I mean, it was all of the traveling hitters converged on that facility. And so 
it's you mentioned the the entry list and it's got all the usual suspects it's got the names that you expect to see entered in a race that pays a hundred thousand dollars but it's actually it's a pretty cool mixture when you run through that list of regional racers that, that seemingly every one of them has had tremendous success at that facility you know names that you might not necessarily think of as guys that you would pinpoint to win a hundred thousand dollar race anywhere in the country but are more than capable of doing it, especially at that place. So with that said, let's let's go way out on a limb with our predictions. Who's going to win the $100,000 main event, Big Jed? So, Luke, I, obviously I saw in the show notes that we were doing this. We were making the picks, and so I said, okay, I, I need to go look at the entry list and really study this thing. And literally the first name I look at can win and I never got off of names that can win. So obviously it's a crap shoot and you have no idea who's going to win, but I'm looking for this guy to, to just re-enter the big money racing scene and put his name back on everybody's mind and just show everyone that although he was out of the game for a little while, he's still very capable and talented and, and still a guy that that needs to be thought of in this light. And I've got Hunter Patton uh, getting the ultimate redemption and putting his name on the trophy of the 100K shootout. Um, you know, again, who knows who's going to win, but I just really feel good about Hunter even being in it and taking his shot at it. And, and I'm going to give him my vote to get it done. Colin, the honey of science. <laughs> In case you're new to the podcast, that is the 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 Honey Wayne <laughs> Renaissance. We just yes. we merged it a few episodes back, 2023, the year of the Honey Renaissance. According to me, in the early prediction, according to Jed for the TV promotions, 100K. I like that pick. I'll never bet against Hunter. Um, as you said, you could you could make 127 other picks that I probably wouldn't disagree with either. It's a loaded field. Uh, I'll go. I would say what is more of a regional name, although in the past probably three, four years, he's made a big enough splash that I think everybody's going to recognize the name when I say it. Uh, I'll, I'll go with J.R. Barclay. That's a, a young man that has repeatedly got it done on the biggest stages, really probably for better part of a decade, but specifically the last three, four seasons. Um, and he's a guy that has had tremendous success at Bowling Green over the years. So like I say, you could go a lot of different ways. I'll take J.R. Barclay to win the big show. Love that pick. Uh, J.R. obviously is a young man that's put himself in the, in the middle of some huge final rounds in the, the last couple of years, uh, if not longer. And a guy that has shown he's capable of getting it done in three, four, five, six hundred car fields. So 128, you know, uh, a race that's, that's only going to be, well, it's going to be a few rounds, maybe a handful of rounds shorter than what he's used to going. Um, certainly a solid, solid pick, and we can count on him to make solid runs. You you got to beat J.R. Barclay. He don't typically beat himself. So uh, I like that pick a lot. And we challenge ourselves as well. In addition to the $100,000 main event, let's let's pick one winner for there's two $50,000 races that are going to sandwich that or bookend would be a better word. Sandwich can, can have an interesting connotation, Big J. We'll, we'll go with bookend. Bookend the hundred grander. I like sandwiches. Sandwiches are good, now that you say that. 
I, regardless, I, I digress. Let's, let's let's focus back in here. So, two fifty granders surrounding the hundred grander. Give me one name that you predict will win one of them. I'll go first on this one. I'll, I'll take a name that again is no stranger to success at that facility. Has been a little bit off the radar in the recent the last year or two, but a dude that I know just knows how to get it done because frankly he beats me like a drum every time I light up beside him. Give me Jeremy McCaig. Jeremy McCaig will make a splash at Beach Band. Yeah, obviously, Jeremy, super talented uh, guy that doesn't get out and stretch his legs a whole lot, but he loves to go to Bowling Green. He he tries to compete there as many opportunities as he gets. He makes that trip across from Missouri, uh, uh, you know, a few times a year, seemingly. So um, very familiar with the place, very track record there, and just – you know, a, a great overall racer. So solid pick in Jeremy McCaig and, uh, and definitely one I could see doing some damage in one of those 50s or maybe even certainly that 25K warm-up. Uh, Luke, I'm going to go with a guy that's had a ton of success pretty much everywhere he's raced, but he's definitely had a lot here at Bowling Green or there at Bowling Green. Um, any races in between Nashville and Bowling Green, he's, he's always at them and a threat in this one certainly is going to be right in his wheelhouse. That's Todd Sensony. I feel, you know, Todd is obviously a very talented guy, just uh, uh, leans on his faith heavily, just a no-nonsense approach to racing, typically very level-headed, doesn't let the moment get to him. And I feel like that's going to uh, to be very beneficial for him. And uh, he knows the weather there and all those things. So feel good about Todd's chances. Um, little little side bucket here for me I, I got a couple of team bad guys teammates that's going to be there okay um, okay so you know really hoping for team bad guys to make some noise uh, i know larry martin's going to be there i know Dwayne martin's going to be there uh two of our uh, two of our bad guys racers um coming up on the the dream team so hoping they get uh, some momentum and get some good things going for them as well so Always pulling for the bad guys, and uh, maybe Todd gets a 50 and one of my bad guys gets one of those other ones. I like that. So the last time that I got an opportunity to speak with one Todd Sensony, it was at the uh, the 11th annual Jegs Summer Door Car Shootout, which, by the way, uh, by the time that you listen to this, the flyer should be released for the 12th annual Jegs Summer Door Car Shootout, a little over a month away, I-57 Drag Strip. Yes, that was a shameless plug. Anyway, we go back. Uh, what, eight months ago, Todd Sensney rolls into the Jake Summer Door Car Shootout. I said, hey, Todd, how you doing? And he just proceeds to cry me a river about how, you know, one day you'll you'll understand you'll get old too, Luke. And, and this stuff, it gets harder. You know, I'm really, I'm here for my kids. I'm going to support them. They're doing good, but I'm just kind of riding down the racetrack, you know? He told me that Saturday morning. About 12 hours later, we stood together with a big cardboard check for $11,000 with his name on it, because that's how Todd Sensney rolls. Now, I was trying to tie this together, Jed, because had you picked him to win the $100,000 main event, then obviously Todd Sensney would be a solid pick in the $100,000 main event. I would play into this and be like, well, Todd says he's getting old, but in that race, I mean, there's no buybacks. He only got to do it seven times. Like, surely he can get up for that, right? But he could do it 10 times, too. Ain't nothing to it. It's like riding. He definitely can. 
He definitely can. Uh, you know, Todd, Todd is, he's had a few birthdays, but man, that guy's, he's done it one for decades. So he's, he's just always one of those guys that sneak right in there and you'll never see him coming because he's not loud and proud and wild. He just keeps to himself, does his thing, wishes his opponent good luck, and then goes out there and lays down runs they can't beat. So looking for Todd to do well. I love it. We've got a lot to look forward to. We'll have a lot to talk about next week as we recap the TV Promotions 100K. But with that still a little bit ahead of us on the horizon, Big Jed, let's take a look back. Spring Fling a lot is now in the books. And I think the only place to start is with a, a little bit of a personal anecdote. We, we, we previewed this a little bit last week, Big Jed. It was a, it was a rite of passage event. For JJ. It was his first big trip out of town without Big Jed. He was racing. He was announcing. It looked from the outside like he was very much a focal point of the event on a, on a lot of different levels. Walk me through it, maybe through his eyes or maybe from your own perspective. How was Spring Fling a lot for JJ? Well, obviously, uh, it was a dream come true for him. So through his eyes and, and conversations we've had, you know, he, he was, he was on top of the world. He's, he's told me about, you know, a lot of the conversations he had with people there. Uh, obviously several conversations with Peter, whom he looks up to a lot for, for obvious reasons. Um, you know, just, he was, he was on top of the world. Like uh, the people were loving on him on social media and the chat bleachers and, you know, Obviously, working with Steve Riggins, whom both of us have a tremendous amount of respect and love for. Steve's one of the best guys that, that you could work with. Uh, Steve was very um, helpful to JJ in terms of the freedom to just go race and focus on that and then come up here and do this when you, you know, when you got some time. So the whole, the whole scenario the whole scene just everything was everything he thought it would be and more so through his eyes it was a dream come true it really was and um you know i was super excited for him obviously a little i won't say nervous but a little concerned you know that that he was doing this and i wasn't there because i try to be you know a lifeline for him and make sure that i'm helping him understand how you approach, you know, it ain't always just a cookie cutter approach. You got to keep up with weather and all those things. So a um, little bit, a little bit out of my comfort zone, but um, you know, I watched as much as I possibly could listened as much as I possibly could to the announcing. Uh, obviously I, the, the interview with Peter, I didn't know anything about until I think it was already done. And Peter said, I did an interview with JJ and, we're going to put it on our social media page. And I'm like, okay, well, that sounds really cool. You know, I thought it'd be this funny, corny little deal they would do, but you know, it turned out uh, pretty, a little more serious than that and turned out pretty cool. You know, he, he obviously uh, spoke a lot about, you know, how he's gotten to where he's gotten so far. And that choked me up a little bit. I was, uh, I was, you know, really humbled by uh, how much credit he gave me. Um, and then, Luke, I start getting messages on Messenger and my text messaging is just going crazy. You know, man, the video of JJ was unbelievable. And I had not seen it yet. I just knew they had done the video. So, I, you know, I was actually headed up I-65, headed towards Huntsville. And, and, and my wife, Jenny, called me and said, have you seen this video? 
And I'm like, no, but I'm getting text messages about it, but I'm driving. So, so she, she linked me up there to it and uh, actually pulled over for a minute and watched it and like, holy cow. And then I started getting messages just, you know, I don't want to gas back about it too long, but just, I guess my point is that watching your son do that for the first time and it be on that stage and he gets that kind of love and, and appreciation from people. Oh, it was surreal. Really. It, it was, it was beyond my wildest dreams. It was, you know, a, a very proud moment just because he's getting to do it, not anything to do with me or the, his raising, you know, it's easy to raise somebody that's easy to raise and it's hard to raise somebody that's hard to raise and he's been easy to raise. So I uh, don't, it ain't like I, it ain't like I had to get up at three o'clock every morning and stay up till midnight trying to teach him right from wrong. You know, you just, you tell him and he gets it and he's just been a good kid, been a great kid and, and been a blessing to, to me. And so um, I, I was very appreciative of all the attention and the messages and all those things. But when it's all said and done, JJ deserves the credit for being who JJ is. You know, you, you help your kids get where they are, but they got to, they got to, learn it, receive it, understand it. And he does all that. So, um, you know, he's, he's just been a great kid and super excited that, that he got to do this on this stage and, you know, hoping he gets to do plenty more of it. I'm sure he will, as long as he wants to. And it sounds like he wants to. <laughs> Jed, yeah, pretty... well, yeah. Again, this week, if he could. So, yeah. <laughs> pretty special stuff, obviously, from his perspective, uh, as well as yours. And Jed, don't ever apologize for gas bagging on this podcast. This is a platform that you built. You have the right, my friend, anytime you feel obligated, by God, let it fly. Yeah, but you know, I'm not a brag on your kid kind of guy. I certainly uh, am super proud of him and and didn't want to didn't want to shortchange that response in any way, but didn't want to go too long either. But, um, you know, just, I don't know, I got just saw so many messages and so many people responding and, you know, parents of kids his age and parents of kids slightly older than him that, you know, they know how hard it is out there and on the track and off the track for somebody that age. And, you know, just really feeling so good about all the appreciation everyone else had for what he was doing and what he was getting to, to live out this past week was pretty cool to watch. I, I won't, won't try to, won't try to dumb that down any. What, uh, what stuck out to me, Jed, the, the little bit that I did get to tune in, and I guess this is predictable, knowing JJ and, and knowing how you operate, but was just the, the self-awareness and, and humility, if you will, at that age. Like, I think he had made a mistake early in the weekend and within 30 minutes, he's on the mic and it was something to the extent of like, I think he, I think he took a bunch of stripe and broke out. And he said something on that to the effect of if anybody needs any finish line, I got plenty to spare. That's pretty big at that age to just come right out with it. You know? Yeah. You know, he's, he's obviously learned that, uh, from, from someone pretty close to him. I try to, I, I try to, you know, make light of the stupid mistakes that we make sometimes. And, he did. He, he took him uh, 60 down there to strike to be uh, a little bit under. And and he did let everybody know if, if anybody was only looking for 20, he had enough for three people. So, <laughs> so I thought that was really good of him because I know when it actually happened, he was super down about it. But uh, 
good to see him recover so quickly. That's and people don't really understand, Luke. I've said it for years. People don't understand how hard that is to go out there and make a huge blunder and then your next activity is get on the microphone and, and you know, you can't, it, it don't go away. So you need to discuss it and get it behind you. So he's learned that obviously through his dad's stupid mistakes, but, um, but I thought that was good that he owned it as well. Yeah. He's fun at the, the best way you could possibly spin it. So good stuff. Um, it looks early on in the week, Jed, it looked like the real winner from Galat was going to be mother nature, but that turned and they got the vast majority of events on the flyer. in. I think combined two races sounded like as per usual, Peter Biondo made all the right calls throughout. And I think more of this got completed than anyone could have rightfully expected. Yeah, Luke, when you look at what was on the the flyer in terms of purse, you know, he 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 paid it, paid it all. So um, and that that looked like it was not a possibility very early in the week. And then by Tuesday, that had changed to like this is almost going to be a perfect week with some weather Friday interrupting us to turning back into oh boy, it's going to be a challenge and rain popping up that wasn't scheduled to pop up and them battling through several, several showers. And and I know it's not in the show notes, but all they battled and, and people probably most average people don't have a great feel for what the track crew goes through, that they have to be there on alert, ready, just as soon as they think they see any break, try to get this thing dry, get us back out there. Uh, and that track crew works so hard. They work between every pair. They make sure they keep the track in tip top condition and they dealt with so many sprinkles and certainly some heavy rains too, uh, which got them the Kyle cycle never give up award. Look, I don't know if you saw that, but they awarded that to the track crew, the track staff. And I thought that was freaking awesome. Um, really well-deserved by that staff there at Galat. So uh, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want us to miss that uh, just because it wasn't in notes. I wasn't sure we'd get to talk about it. I did see that Jed. And, and honestly, as a, as a small time promoter myself, like I feel like that's the type of award that it could be given to every every staff at every event, like they are the unsung heroes that make all of this happen. But particularly, I mean, that gets pronounced when you're fighting the uh, the kinds of challenges that they work a lot. I, there was a lot of time spent on track drying and track prep. And I mean, it was just an endless pursuit for multiple days. And that staff, yeah, 100% deserves all the credit in the world. Pretty good stuff. Very good stuff, Luke. And, and the racers deserve a lot of credit too, because I, if I remember correctly, and I don't have the exact numbers, but I think there were 325 on the, the warm-up race, which was scheduled for Wednesday and moved to Tuesday because the weather looked challenging. And um, and then Peter decided to run the first 50, just move the 50s up a day each time and have some time at the end to finish. So I think they had 325 on the, the warm-up day on Tuesday, which is a great, great crowd, especially considering the forecast they had. Especially on a day that you weren't supposed to be racing. Yeah. That you weren't supposed to be racing. And then when you get to the end of the week and all the challenges they had and days where 
racers were out of the race and just didn't even get to get on the track at all because you were wrapping up two races from the previous days, all those things. And I think they ended up with 380 in the, the last couple of races. So the crowd increased with, with all of those challenges that everybody saw coming. Incredible. It just shows a tremendous amount of confidence in Peter and the Spring Flame brand and staff and uh, the brain trust in that organization. And certainly they, they don't go to chump change facilities. They go to top-notch facilities with top-notch employees. And that's why, and they battled through some serious challenges and got it done. So really uh, everybody that was involved from racers to sponsors to staff, uh, just tremendous, tremendous amount of respect for everybody for hanging in there. On the racetrack, while he didn't cash the biggest checks of the weekend, I think it's fair to say that the story, uh, well, the top performer, according to the Fling staff, was our MVP of the event, one Will Holloman. Will started the weekend with a $15,000 victory over Jamie Caudill, uh, went tremendous, tremendous amount of rounds throughout the week. The number I saw, Jed, was 24 round wins in the three days of competition, that's a lot. That's basically averaging eight per event in races that are going 10. So obviously, Will Holloman was a fixture deep in the rounds of basically every event throughout the week, deserving winner of the coveted Fling MVP award. Yeah, most definitely. The the Todd's Extreme MVP award went to, to Willie Wood and, uh, you know, 24 rounds over three days. Luke, I, I watched a lot of that racing, obviously uh, heavily invested in, in the outcome since my son was in it and, and friends were in it. And that was some tough racing, man, that the track was great. Everybody was capable of going dead on, you know, the, the weather was fairly stable each day, day to day was quite a challenge, but once you figured out that morning, what your car was going to run, I think it kind of hung there all day. So that that makes it a little more challenging. And then, you know, Will in the dragster category with, you know, a lot of talented racers and shark tank, uh, shark, shark, tank. it really was a shark tank. So, you, and I watched some of him from Saturday when he was getting in the later rounds of that hundred K, you know, taking a thou here or there, or certainly taking five thou on occasion you know, he was really dialed in and then certainly some things fell his way. I'm sure that that might not have been planned exactly the way they ended. So all in all, Will was definitely the top performer and deserved that Todd's Extreme MVP award. Comes with a thousand dollar check and a beautiful Todd's Extreme helmet with the spring fling logo on it. And it was all really nice stuff. And, uh, and Will was a deserving champion. The first $50,000 event, well, I guess ultimately the only $50,000 to win event of the weekend as the other two were combined into a hundred grander. The money went back to Canada, eh? Yeah. Yeah. He hosed them. Um, <laughs> it was, uh, you know, it was cool Luke, to, to see uh, Matt Costable get it done. Certainly in a door car, Timothy Thomas always in the middle of these things and, and a guy that's, uh, likely to win pretty much every time he gets to the racetrack. So nothing against Timothy. It was just cool to see number one, a Canadian win it. Number two, a door car win it. And, and as I was watching social media, um, as this thing was starting to, to come down to the end, you know, Luke here in the U S when we go to a race, 
we're representing our state and, and maybe a region of the country. It doesn't matter seemingly where you are from in Canada. You seem to be representing the entire country. Everybody in Canada is a freaking big country. You know, I mean, it's all the way from from California, from Washington to, to Maine. It's it's east of Maine. It, it stretches east of Maine. Uh, sorry, Kyle Katrera, but you're not the most eastern racer there. But so everybody in that country is pulling for the Canadian. It's like, you know, I have no idea when they say if they don't say they're from British Columbia or Quebec, everywhere else, I have no idea exactly where it is in Canada. But I know it's big and I know that all the people in Canada are pulling for the Canadian. So it was cool to see the Canadian people pulling for him and 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 him obviously taking a big chance on himself riding down from Canada all the way down in North Carolina to attend this race and it working out well for him. Really happy for, for Matt Costable. And then, uh, you know, JJ did the interview and, and that was pretty cool to watch my boy do the interview. And then Matt certainly was a, was a humble appreciative champion, which was cool to see. It was very refreshing. So I enjoyed watching that 50 grander a lot. That's how the Canadians do it, Jed. They're just nice. They are really nice people. Yeah. They, they've got good snacks too. They, they bring tell down me about snacks. What kind of snacks? Well, it's, uh, it's like this, this cheese curl thing. I can't remember what they call it, <laughs> but they bring down, um, I think fudgios and, and. Oh, that's and, right. Yeah. I've heard of fudgios. Yeah. And, and then like this, this cheese curl thing. And they're, they're really good. Their snacks are delicious. <laughs> to your point, the, the Canucks were out in force on social media. There's people like, I didn't, I didn't know you were from Canada. They're just cheering on Matt Constable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got a whole country riding on your back and you get it done. That's pretty awesome. Pretty awesome stuff. 32 car, $20,000 shootout was won by McKenna Brown. Big Jed got the win over Ken Batchelor. I believe that was, was that Thursday night, Friday night? Uh, that was Thursday night. Thursday night. So you know congrats what? to young McKenna flying the Jags colors in a borrowed ride. She was driving Donnie B's car, right? Yeah. And, uh, definitely, uh, a young lady that, uh, was not in the car that she typically races, but you know, it's a dragster Luke. So I think they all feel the same, right? I mean, yeah, dragster's a dragster. Nah, I don't. I don't want to diminish what McKenna did. Really incredible performance, and she does that. You know, if you watch McKenna race some, she lays down some really good laps, and she drives. Uh, she represents the the female population in racing very, very well. I know she has. Uh, you know, all the all the females are, are pulling the girl power on her, and and definitely wanting to see her do well. And um, she is. She is one tough customer over there, regardless of gender. She she's a very capable racer, and uh, she did well in her interview as well. It was cool to watch, and, and definitely happy to see McKenna get it done on a stage that big. More pressure in the final round. Matt Costable representing an entire country. McKenna Brown representing an entire gender. Oh, most definitely on Costable. Um, <laughs> Costable Costable was on a fifty k. Uh, final and he came from Canada and who knows when Matt Costable will get to race for this kind of money again and McKenna can do it again this week so definitely more pressure on Matt Costable no no offense McKenna a lot of pressure on you representing the, the female gender but I mean Canada man that's a long way representing the entire gender might have been a bit of a stretch 
The weekend closed with the combination of the two originally scheduled $50,000 races. That's one massive $100,000 to win event. And in the final Big Jed, we saw two very familiar names. One that maybe hasn't been as much in the limelight in the last year or two. One that really burst on the scene in the last year or two. That was Tommy Plot opposite Donovan Williams. The win this time around goes to the Carolina legend, Big Jed, Tommy Plot, $100,000 richer. Yeah, Tommy Plot, the very first Todd's Extreme MVP winner of a fling event at Galat a few years ago. Obviously, a guy who's accomplished more in this sport than most will ever dream of accomplishing. Been doing it for decades as well at a very high level. Uh, Tommy, one of the the guys that's uh, had a lot of experience out here. I, I would, I don't know exactly how old Tommy is, but I would guess he's uh, he's over sixty. So, you know, representing again uh, a, a portion of the demographic that don't get the opportunity to to do this a whole lot. You know, at that age, probably a lot of guys have given up racing. Tommy's still going hard and still getting it done. Very very fun to see. And of course, Donovan Williams, what else can we say about Donovan? You know, this, this kid is so talented, Luke, and so aggressive, uh, you know, a hundred K win last year. I think he got a 50 K win as well last year and a hundred K final already this year. And I, I went back last night, uh, late and turned on the, the YouTube and watched some of the later rounds because I knew we were going to be talking about this, this evening and I wanted to get a feel for for these guys and how they got there. Uh, Tommy obviously just did it with pure talent and didn't look like he had a whole lot of um, sand in his bag. You know, he 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 could run the number, but didn't look like Tommy had much to to work with. He was just depending on making super solid runs, and it worked out very well as it does a lot for Tommy Plot. And then you got Donovan. Holy cow, Luke. This Donovan kid, had some sand in the back. This kid had a wheelbarrow full of sand. <laughs> he was, I mean, running. He ran some cars that were faster than him. Obviously, I think he was going 460s. So, you know, and not cars are going to be blowing by him per se. Still not easy to look back out of those things, especially when you're holding quite a bit. And Donovan, you could just hear him wheeling the car, wheeling them through, knowing where dead on was rolling them through double O something or another round after round. Very, very impressive what this young man does. Cause I know his equipment's good, Luke, and he's letting go good. I know that he could make time shots if he just wanted to, but it's not the strategy that he likes or wants. What so, fun would that be? I don't guess it'd be any fun. It was fun <laughs> for Tommy. You know, it worked good for Tommy, but Donovan said, no, that's not how I'm going to race. And man, just, watching that kind of talent it makes me question do i even need to be out there because what this kid's doing you know, i don't think i would ever you know maybe there was a time in my life when i could hold that kind of number and you know wheels people through but these days that's not how i race and that's a guy that's intimidating you know when, when you know that jeff sarah donovan williams is over there and they can go five six eight under and and they're just showing you that they can do it that's intimidating. It really is. But, you know, Tommy, obviously a veteran, didn't didn't let it shake him up, but did his thing. But Donovan, this guy's got such an incredibly bright future ahead of him. 
this sport. He really does. And, and, you know, good kid too. He really is. People should get to know Donovan. He's a, he's a good kid. And so I, I look forward to watching him continue on in the sport. He, he's going to do incredible things. A, uh, a fun story to illustrate your Donovan Williams point, Big Jed. At a, a big dollar bracket race at one point last season, and I'll, I'll protect names, I'll just keep this anonymous, but it, let's just say a very well-respected, very successful uh, racer who is no stranger to putting some sand in the bag himself comes back from a run opposite said Donovan Williams and gives me this, the following explanation, Jed. He looks me dead in the eye. He says, Luke, I could go like five under. He said, we get out there. I thought I had a good light. We get out there and hell, I can't catch a little fella. And I thought, where in the <laughs> world is he going? He said, so I just kind of centered down in there and thought, man, I got to pick a spot. Like, he said, and you know me, I, I don't, I don't pussyfoot the break, right? Like, <laughs> I'm gonna pick out a spot, I'm gonna hunt it down, I'm gonna hit it. And he's dog ripping it beside me. I thought, oh boy, watch this, right? And he says, so I took my eye off him, I picked my spot. He said, I slammed the brakes. We went through, my wind light don't come on. And I'm looking at the scoreboards and I'm confused. He said, I got my ticket. Now he was ahead of me when we started all this. And I hit the brakes as hard as I could hit him. He said, that little son of a bitch got behind me. How'd he do that? <laughs> Donovan He's tricky. Uh, I can't remember verbatim what Donovan told me one time. I said something about trying to get there, and I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said, I'm not always trying to get there. I'm just trying to make them think they can't. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's good stuff right there, because uh, I understand. I get it. That's good stuff. That's a good way to explain it. So yeah, yeah. kudos to Tommy Plot. Like I said, we got off on the Donovan Williams tangent. Two very capable finalists. Happy to see them both there. Honestly, happy to see Tommy Plot score that win. But uh, yeah. Donovan Williams is gonna gonna get a lot of those over the course of his career. Yes, he is. All right, that's everything from Spring Fling a lot. We'll go just an hour or two down the road, Big Jed, to to Charlotte for wide NHRA nationals. Another race that looked to be weather plagued. A uh, pretty proactive decision on behalf of NHRA. They ran out all the sportsman categories late Saturday night. And Big Chad, we had a very familiar name in the winner circle of the super gas category. Yeah, Luke, uh, this guy, he he don't get to go to the winner circle very often in super gas. Well, no, wait a minute. Yeah, he does every freaking time he races. <laughs> so I saw I saw Michelle, his wife, post on uh, Facebook. I was looking on there Saturday evening, and uh, and she said something about Sherman winning super gas. I went, uh, it's Saturday. Um, they're not. Yeah, not you probably just thought up. that's a memory post from two weeks ago, right? <laughs> Either memory or or a crazy good intuition, you know, <laughs> seeing in the future. But so I look, at, I go to the results and look. Yep, sure enough, Sherman freaking won Super Gas at the four wides. I mean, this guy's unbelievable, Luke. It, it's even you know, even knowing that he's got a stranglehold, he's still getting it done. It is bordering on ridiculous at this point, Big Jed. I called it a week ago when he won his fourth divisional event of the young season in four attempts, by the way. I said, it's over. No one will catch Sherman Adcock. He will be the Supergas world champion. In case there was any doubt, 
He went out and strung six more win lights together over the weekend, won his first national event of the season. So just to put this in perspective, Jed, Sherman Adcock has has attended six NHRA Super Gas events this season. Sherman Adcock has won five NHRA Super Gas events this season. He runs his round record for 2023 to 32 and one. Wow. That is 90, 97%, bordering 97% round win percentage. That's solid. The only round he lost, by the way, he was red. Not like anybody yep. beat him, right? The narrative, Jed, is no longer whether or not he'll win the world championship. Like, I cannot envision a scenario in which he is not on the stage in Hollywood in November for his third NHRA Supergas World Championship. That's no longer the narrative. And it's May 1st, and that's no longer the narrative. Like, that's a foregone conclusion. The narrative now becomes, we can have a conversation, Jed. It is realistic, especially the way that he is rolling. It's not insane to say that Sherman Adcock could finish the season with the elusive perfect score. No one's ever done that. To win eight NHRA events to do it, Sherman's won five, and he's got, what, eight more races to get the other three. Now, granted, to win three races out of eight is spectacular, but at this point, like, how do you bet bet against it? Could he post a perfect score? Will he, Jed, surpass Peter Biondo's record for the most points scored in a sportsman category of all time. Peter, back in 2005 in Stock Eliminator, posted 792 points, which is an insane number. Just for for context, how Peter got there in those eight races that you get to claim, seven wins and a quarterfinal finish. Seven wins and a quarterfinal finish in eight claims. And as ridiculous as that is, that is not that does not feel out of reach right now for Sherman Adcock Jr. It doesn't feel out of reach, but at this point, Luke, I, three wins in eight races would probably be a bit of a letdown for Sherman. <laughs> you know, he'd be, absolutely. He'd be thinking, what, what am I doing wrong? But so in reality, what I believe is going to to really happen here. I haven't looked at the schedule, so I don't know what's available to Sherman, but I would have to think you're going to attend a lot less than all eight of the races that you could go to and get your claims in and just feel comfortable with a total, uh, at least for, for a good portion of the season. You, you, you know, Sherman's probably going to get to that 650 number fairly easily and then not necessarily relax, but not just load up and go to races left and right. So because I think he'd have to travel a little bit. I know there's another one coming to Charlotte and, um, you know, there's going to be some fairly reasonable close to him, but nothing else real close. I'll push back for two reasons. I say he makes the max quota. Number one, you're chasing history. Like, I mean, when else could you, could you flirt with a perfect season, right? Number two, and the more practical reason, Teammate, Julio, he makes the third, is going to be in contention, perhaps for a national championship, certainly for a top 10 finish in Superstock and or Super Comp. He's probably going to have to go to the races. Well, Sherman's going to go with them. Like I, I think he makes six and eight, and, and that makes this entertaining because there's not going to be any entertainment in the battle for the championship. The, the, the question at this point is how high can Sherman go? 
Yeah, most definitely. Uh, obviously, that that record is is in his grasp, you know, as, as an opportunity anyway to to do that. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if he if he does decide to continue on and chase history. But you make a great point, Luke, about Julio having an opportunity in two categories to continue scoring points and do well and, and post a great season. It is his teammate. They're very close. They're obviously having a blast because they're turning on a crap ton of wind lights, certainly not alone just in Sherm's camp, but between them as a team. So really good point. I, I think that that will keep them interested and enthused. And you're probably right. They'll continue on the trail. You know, Sneaky Pete 792, man, that's unbelievable, obviously. Uh, Sherman will continue, will have to continue to do amazing things, but at the very least, this guy is staring his third world championship right in the eyes and uh, super excited for him. Um, you know, very deserving guy. Health challenges kept him from the track for a little while. Uh, was it last year or year before, Luke? I believe that was in 22. Yeah, it seemed like it was. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, in 21, two years ago. 21, yeah, two years ago, yeah. So, um, obviously, he's been there, done that, won his share, uh, and but had some – some real roadblocks along the way as well. So great to see Sherman uh, having a stranglehold on this thing. And, and you know, I, I wish I could be there with him because I know he's just, you know, he's so ho-hum about it all. You know, Jed, you know, sometimes it just goes your way. You know, you go down there, you do what you do, and when light comes on or it don't. But- I sent him some kind of text and he was, he replied with, you know, don't count your chickens. Still got to get three more good races. I know you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> so let's, let's so help me with the points deal. Let's say, let's say the three races that he can claim. Let's say he just only goes to third round in all of those races. What? Yeah. So what does he score? As of right now, Sherman Adcock Jr. has five hundred and sixty-six points through six events. So given your scenario, if he lost third round, which if he went to eight more races and never advanced past third round, made it to third round twice, he would tack on a hundred points to that total to have 666 points, which is not perhaps not a great number, but that's a championship number, right? Anything over 650 should win the championship. Anything over 700 guarantees it. It's hard to envision a scenario. There's no there's no scenario in which he scores under 650. It's hard to imagine a scenario in which he doesn't eclipse 700, and no one's ever lost with 700. Now, to your earlier point about how good Sherm's rolling, not only did he win Supergas, he nearly doubled up, Jed. He lost in the yeah, finals of Supercomp. His teammate Hugh Meeks was in the quarterfinals of Supercomp. Like they're just they are they have become very accustomed to this late round hustle with two, three, multiple entries in, it's got to be just second nature at this point. Another interesting side note, as as now we'll, we'll keep an eye on Sherman's pursuit of 792. That's that ridiculous number that Peter Biondo posted in 2005. I know we've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating, just as we serve witness to the greatness that is Peter Biondo. You know this, Jed, but our listeners may not. Not only does Peter Biondo hold the highest points total in sportsman drag racing history, he owns the second highest points total and the third highest points total. 
that I think is very much in jeopardy. Like if Sherman can't overcome that 792, 765 and 743, like that stranglehold of, of Peter holding the top three spots, I think is, is a pretty precarious position at this point. And again, just to put this into perspective, what I just mentioned, Jed, Sherman's at 566 points right now. He's had an unbelievable season. Just to put Peter's 792 in perspective, Sherman Adcock could go win his next two races, which would put him at what the round record for the season would be 44 and one if there were both six round races. 44 and one. And he would still at that point be two rounds shy of Peter Biondo's record, winning seven wow. of eight. Wow. <laughs> that does put it in perspective, Luke. Uh, you know, obviously, Peter is one of the greatest to ever do it, but uh, to to do it in a category or in categories where you can't just always outperform your opponent, there are times when you have to outrun your opponent as well, and to to amass those kind of totals in that kind of uh, eliminator class, that's very, very impressive because, you know, there had to be some heads ups along the way, but Peter was not only, he was one of those rare breeds that was silly fast and silly good at the same time. Yeah. Peter was making it look easy. Sherman today is making it look easy. Other winners from Charlotte. How about John LaBoose Jr., Big Jed? We've talked a lot in recent episodes about Tanner Theobald. And how he is he has uh, positioned himself as an early front runner in the super comp category. John LaBoost Jr. rolled into Charlotte and said, Tanner, I will see your multiple late round finishes and raise you another national event win. John LaBoost Jr., if we start back at the start of the season, if we picked, we mentioned John LaBoost Jr. as a as a championship contender or even made him the pick. That would surprise no one. He's been a perennial top 10 finisher for the last decade. Has maybe somewhat surprisingly yet to score a national championship in Super Comp. He's got one in Super Gas, but he's knocked on the door repeatedly. This win puts him in great position. I would say, again, it's very early in the season, but at this point, the two front runners are Tanner Theobald and John LaBoost Jr. Tanner sits at 506 points through three nationals and four divisionals. That's seven events. John LaBoost now, after his win, moves to 432, which is 70 points back. And he's been to the same number of races, Jed, been to seven races, but four divisionals versus three nationals. You only get to, I'm sorry, four nationals versus three divisionals. You only get to claim your top three nationals. So he's actually event an event behind on paper. Um, so John basically 70 points behind, which would be like a fifth round loss. Let's say they're in pretty similar positions at this point, essentially on equal footing. Uh, John has one race, one race behind and one early round loss to improve on that Tanner doesn't. There will be multiple more super comp racers that get into this mix. But right now, those are the two that have separated themselves from the field. Yeah, Luke. And, and you know, as much as I have respect for Tanner and, and what he's accomplished thus far and certainly his talent and ability, uh, that LaBeouf Jr. is not the guy you want to see back there lurking when you're having a great season and he's having a great season as well. And I assure you that if this thing comes down to the, you know, to the last couple of two or three races and they're out West, a little boost will be there. He's got, 
you know, he's got the connections, he's got the equipment, he's got all of the, the ability and people in his corner to, to get him there. So he'll be out there battling as well. So, um, you know, Tanner, Tanner just needs to continue to do what Tanner's doing, but certainly um, got a guy in the rearview mirror that you don't want to see. Super stock in Charlotte, Jed, was a battle of another two drivers who have started the 2023 season on fire. We saw Monty Joe Bogan get the Charlotte super stock victory over Tyler Kahili. Kahili uh, appearing in his third final round in the last two weeks. Remember, he nearly doubled up at Reynolds in super stock and top sportsman. Monty Joe, not far removed from his double in super stock and comp at Bellrose adds another Superstock victory in Charlotte. Add two more names, Big Jed, to the, the potential list of emerging title contenders in Superstock. We talked about last week how much fun Superstock is going to be this season, given the starts of Kyle Rizzoli and Brad Burton, uh, Kevin Helms, Pete Dagnolo. Add Monty Joe Bogan, add Tyler Kahili to that list, and that list of talented racers who are throwing their hat in the rings to compete for a national title just gets deeper in the super stock category. Yeah, that's a super deep and talented list. Uh, Monty Joe certainly uh, making his way back onto the NHRA scene with authority right now. I mean, this guy's just pounding out the wind lights. Uh, you know, he's done it in comp eliminator. He's done it in super stock. So He's definitely back to, to Monty Joe Bogan, the Monty Joe Bogan that we've all come to know and love. Tyler Kahili, great to see Tyler putting his name in the mix. You know, he's a, he's a guy who has done quite a bit of this over the years, but never seemingly a guy that chased it that hard. So I'm sure this is putting him in a position where he's going to have to do a little more than he had probably planned to do. And then when you look at Riz Burton, Helms, and Diagnolo, really cool, Luke, to see how spread out across the country that list is so you know it's it's not like they're going to battle one another a whole lot they're all going to go to their individual events i'm sure riz and burton will see each other a fair amount but um and helms and diagnolo for that matter but you know they're not all going to run the exact same races everywhere so everybody's going to have their shot individually before potentially everybody coming together late in the season so just making this uh, super stock battle once again this year, you know, you, you can't really see how it can get more exciting than it has been in years past, but this is shaping up already on May the 1st to be very, very exciting and fun to watch as it uh, usually is with whomever is on the list. Shouts to geographic diversity. Oh, I love it. Love it. I would have never come up with that phrase, but yeah, that's really good. Speaking of early title contenders, Jed, how about Brandon Miller and top sportsman? My man's been to two races. He is batting a thousand. It's not quite Sherman Adcock Jr. yet, but it's his best Sherman Adcock Jr. impression. Brandon Miller won the Division I opener at Cecil County, Maryland. He won his first national event of the season in Charlotte. That is, uh, I don't know exactly the rounds. I think nine up, nine down. Can't do any better than that. Nah, seems to be pretty stout, Luke. You're batting a thousand in two races. Uh, certainly puts uh, Brandon in position where I'm sure he's looking at the schedule and figuring out exactly where else he can go to see if he continues on this hot streak. But uh, obviously, quite a few races behind the the leaders right now. But when you're batting a thousand over two races, and you know you you did it in some pretty tough areas, I would say that uh, that Brandon's going to be a threat and certainly going to continue to 
to find some events to attend. Other winners from Charlotte. How about Barry Parker carrying the D1 flag, getting the win in stock eliminator over your boy, Big Jed, Steve Foley, runner up. Yeah, my man Foley uh, got come up short there, got to the final in stock, but really Steve's doing well also in the in the Copo stocker. Really happy to see that for Steve Foley. We miss him at the at the big bracket races, but he's really enjoying life uh, on the NHRA side and doing very, very well. Um, Barry Parker, obviously, um, great performance there in, in getting the win over Foley. Uh, definitely very a talented guy as well and uh, somebody that you enjoy seeing in the winner circle. Um, hoping Steve continues on the path he's on, though, uh, Luke, because he, he definitely is, uh, is racking up some points and, you know, maybe give himself an opportunity to do something special later this year. That would surprise no one that has watched Steve Foley in action over the course of the last decade plus. Scott Neal was your top dragster winner, got the win over Ross LaRice in Charlotte. And I think, Big Jed, that that basically wraps up the week that was. We will recap the TV Promotions 100K. We will, we will pat ourselves on the back. We will, we will tell ourselves how we were Nostradamus because obviously we have picked the winners on today's show. And, and certainly I'm very confident that we nailed the entry count. I think we got that. Oh yeah. So we'll no doubt about week. it. So Luke, before we wrap up, what, um, what is, uh, what has got you most excited? Is it the hundred K shootout this week at Bowling Green? Is it competing in a, a huge, but big buck, big buck bracket race at Bowling Green? What has you most excited about this week in the TV promotions event? I hate to put you on the spot like that. Well, for me personally, and this is funny because when we talk about this next week, history tells me that I will have a very different outlook. Right now, I am most excited about the fact that my entire family, save my four-year-old, will get to compete at the same racetrack. I love races that include the junior dragster stuff. It's just a 16-car field for juniors. My young son, Gary, will be a part of it. He's probably going to be a little bit over his skis. I assume the field will mostly consist of older kids in 790 cars. We're kind of using it as a warm-up, but I love racing with my boy and my wife. Uh, we're actually going to have all four of our Mosier Engineering cars at the facility. Uh, Chris Eastep's going to be driving my Vega as well. So we'll be there in force. I think that's probably what I'm most looking forward to. When I say that history tells me that that I, I I won't necessarily reflect on it as positively. It seems like every time that we do this, I'm like, oh man, that's going to be awesome, right? Like we're all going to race and Gary's going to get to race. And then at some point over the four days that I'm there, I'll realize that that means that I've got to keep four cars running and, and maintain a junior dragster, which is like having a miniature <laughs> competition eliminator car. And by the time Saturday rolls around, I will be beat and and but love and life so yeah so i think at this point that's what i'm most looking forward to we'll revisit back next week and see if i have a similar um reflection yeah i look forward to hearing the report from there and uh, certainly might not take you till saturday to to be beat but um you know it's a it's a labor of love you know when you're out there with the family and they run me ragged on Saturday nights at the racetrack. I can only imagine doing it on the scale that, that you're about to do it with, with the whole family and your, uh, your fleet of race cars. So 
wishing you guys a ton of luck. Definitely hoping that it works out where uh, where I can sneak in there maybe by Friday and have some fun with you guys. So maybe I'll see you there. But if not, we look forward to hearing uh, from from somebody that was at the event and certainly hoping that we get to talk about some uh, really important and significant wind lights falling your family's way as well, Luke. So guys, that wraps us up. Uh, certainly appreciate you tuning in here to the live show once again. This has become our, our regular. So uh, we appreciate those of you that are tuning in. Spread the word. You know, we, we definitely are always looking for uh, more people to, to join in, watch, chime in on the show. Certainly want you sharing our information and spreading the word that uh, we're just two old guys like to talk about, you know, sportsman drag racing. And, and we're having a blast uh, highlighting the, the individuals that are uh, having such great performances out there on the racetrack. And certainly people like TB Promotions and Peter Biondo and the Spring Fling brand that's putting on great races as well. So uh, get some more viewers and listeners coming our way, please. We, we'd love it. And certainly um, looking for supporters for the show in terms of brands. If, if you want your brand represented on this show, uh, reach out to us and let us know. We'd love to, to put a package together that then highlights the brand that uh, you represent or certainly if it's your own company. So call us and, uh, or message us and we'll, uh, we'd love to chat with you about that as well. We need all the help we can get. Um, if you want to discuss something that you heard about on this show just with a post or want to make a comment or you want to make a comment about something that you should have heard on this show, the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast is the way to get that done. Just go right there on the, the podcast Facebook page and uh, and make your post and let us know what you're thinking. If you're not comfortable putting it out there for everybody, send it in a private message and producer Mark will snag that right up and let us know what you had to say. Luke, I saw you write down a couple of things. So I know you got some incredible shouts here on, uh, on our Monday show. Shouts to... The Canucks, Canada, eh? Shouts to British Columbia, Quebec, and everything else in between. Shouts <laughs> to some sand in the bag, and shouts to my man, Heavy D. How'd you say he put it, Big Jed? Not always trying to get there first, just want to make sure they know they can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what he said. That's really, really profound statement from such a young racer. Good stuff. All right, guys, uh, Luke and I are very uh, active on the Twitter as well. If you like to tweet, at us. We'd love to hear from you. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. We want to hear from you early and often. We appreciate you tuning in. Thank you for watching and or listening. I hope you turn on a lot of wind lights this week if you're racing. And we can't wait to come back and talk to you again real soon about more sports and Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal 
in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.